Hello, everybody. It is Corey Poirier, and excited to uh, have a, a new uh, first-time guest here on the show. Really excited to be back with the show as well. And so, Robert Murray, really excited to invite you on the show for the very first time, as I mentioned. And at the same time, Robert, I think probably the best starting point would be to get you to tell us perhaps a little bit about your backstory or your journey. So those listeners who are discovering you for the very first time uh, will have a better feel for who you are and, and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So um, yeah, I'm excited to uh, be here. I know uh, when you and I first talked, uh, we, we got connected through a mutual friend and I'm like, oh, I love Corey. It was just, it was just like we, we totally had, you know, the same vibe, the same values. Uh, so it was, it was really, really a, a great connection. So a little bit about my backstory. Um, I actually started a, well, was, was founding a company that was really purpose-based way, way before there was anything called purpose-based companies or conscious-based companies or, or B Corps or anything. And the idea of the, that we, we were working with a management consultant that had the crazy idea, at least crazy at the time in the 80s when we started the company, that if you really focused on business as being an agent of change for good in the world, and that what you were focused on is the impact that you made, treating your customers with respect, treating your suppliers with respect, and really eliminating the cost of bad behavior within the interpersonal relationships within the company, that you could grow a successful business and you didn't have to focus on making money, you could actually focus successfully on, on just the impact that you make and managing your energy properly. And the company was fabulously successful. And even though a lot of people said that uh, it couldn't be done, particularly in the automotive parts industry, which was known at that time for being like a really, you know, bottom of the barrel, low, low quality, you know, cheat everybody as much as you can kind of industry. Um, but because of that, we were fabulously successful. And the, the interesting thing, and I kind of went through this whole journey where we were so inspired by the mission because we literally, me, and I think really everyone else in the company could care less about selling automotive parts. The idea of it was really that we were making a difference. We were setting an example for other businesses to follow. And by setting that example, we would upgrade the quality of the interactions of businesses. We just changed the way they operated. And I literally had 20 years of my life starting at age 15 where I didn't know I was working. I was just hanging out with my friends, doing something I love, something that inspired me and growing a successful company together. Wow. And, you know, when you say that, I, I, and, and I, I guess I'll, I'll explain sort of why it speaks to me so much. But when you talk about doing business in that way, so it's more... I'm going to call it maybe purposeful, but also organic, if you will, mm -hmm. approach. And what, and I mean, it's not meant to be sort of a plug for it, but my last book that I put out, uh, the book of why and how, um, which kind of ironically we're re-releasing as I speak, but that book was put out for specifically that reason. So people said to me, you know, why this book, why, why did you put it together and what does it really mean? And, and I said, for me, it's about, showing people how you can do business in a purposeful and an organic and a holistic way, but still end up doing better and more business than if you try to do it a, uh, let's say a materialistic way and, and a results only driven way. And so it sort of speaks to me because I, I essentially 
poured all my sort of my uh, life's work, if you will, into a book about this exact subject because I realized there's a lot more people that could be running what I'll call a more holistic business in a very business environment. And so anyway, so that really speaks to me when you talk about having a, a purpose-driven business. And maybe I'll, I'll couple that with a question, Robert, which is what you mentioned to doing it before most people are doing it. And I would say it's still only a small majority that are doing it. Or I say a small, small minority rather. Right. Uh, why do you think that is? Yeah, you know, there's, there's probably a lot of reasons for it. And I think the old, you know, the old guard dies hard in, in a lot of ways. Um, one of them is I think the way humans are wired. Uh, we tend to be wired on, uh, on the focusing on what's wrong and what's broken and what's missing and what's in it for me. And we aren't wired necessarily to focus on how can we collectively uh, flourish? How can we succeed together? How can we draw upon the strengths that we have of each other and and start creating a future that we all really care about? So I think it's partly wiring. I think a lot of the institutions and the systems that we've built were built around an industrial model that doesn't work anymore. It was more command and control, and it actually made sense uh, for command and control to exist in the industrial age where people were regarded as, as units of measure of production and they were regarded as, as cogs in the machine. And it really took out the human element of, you know, what the, the creativity, the, the focus on strengths, the level of energy that people had. And so I think a lot of times the people who are the heads of these organizations and it could be large corporations, it could be governments, it could be any kind of an institution which benefits from one person kind of sitting on the top and dictating to other people what, what needs to be done. And they don't necessarily like to see that change. It's, it's, it's not even an intentional that they don't want to, let's say, give up power, although in some cases that may be. I think more than, more than anything, it's the idea that you know, my role, let's just say I'm, I'm a, a CEO, right? My role as CEO is to create the vision for the company and then to tell everybody what it is. And I'm supposed to know what we're doing and what the direction of the company is. And they're missing the huge, huge opportunity of the untapped human potential of all the people in the organization. And actually not even just within the organization, they're missing the potential of the wisdom that's available to them through their customers and through their suppliers and uh, through part members of the community. So I think it's kind of just an oversight that, that, you know, people, it, it, it's really, I think two things, you know, and maybe, maybe I covered both of them. One is the old guard doesn't want to give up power. And in some cases it's intentional. In some cases it's just, they don't realize that there's a better way yet. Wow. So, Saying that, uh, you know, so another thing that popped into my head, but, uh, and I love that quote, by the way, the old guard dies hard. <laughs> I mm -hmm. haven't heard that before. So love that. Uh, what I will say is, is to your point as well, I think there's a great, I guess, a great um, point there in terms of the idea that maybe sometimes it's just that they, it hasn't occurred to them, or maybe they haven't thought that way, not even thought that way in general, or thought it that way through. But it makes me think of something else that's sort of front of mind. So I have a mastermind group that I'm a part of, Robert, every week. And we were just talking this week about this. But I, I was talking about how 
people will get media and I know this is a kind of a, a weird uh, sort of segue but people will get media spots and feature opportunities or they'll be featured in a book like we, we feature people in our books and people will have those opportunities and I used to have a newspaper where somebody would have that feature and then they'd say for about a week or a month they say oh my god you wouldn't believe everybody saying they saw me in the publication and then maybe two months later they're like oh nobody says they saw me anymore and I'd follow up the question, so let me ask you this. How many people are you letting know that you were in the publication? Even the people that will never see it, maybe they can't get access to it. But how many are you letting know that you were in a publication? Uh, or if you're a regular feature, how many people are you saying, I'm a regular columnist with? Or if you're on, let's say, CBC or NBC, and people can't see it because maybe it was only aired that one time and they already missed it, how many of them are you letting know that you were on CBC? So I bring this up because it's the same idea, I think, where on at least the side of not realizing there's a better way or a different way, it's the same thing as it amazes me. And it took me a long time to clue in myself, but how many people uh, will get this coverage, but not actually use it ongoing to say, hey, uh, check me out. And I don't mean in, in an egotistical way, but check me out, you know, uh, check out my latest episode in or check out my latest feature spot on Forbes or Entrepreneur. That stuff is the gift that keeps on giving. Five years later, after the article ran once, you can still say as featured in Forbes. And so to me, it's amazing sometimes, Robert, that if we don't know, it's not our own fault, but if we don't know, uh, we're not making use of it. And I think it's like you say, the same thing. A lot of people just don't realize they could actually do business in a purposeful way and it could be successful, just the same. Yeah, yeah. And pot potentially even more successful uh, than, than if, if we tried to continue doing things the old way. You know, I think we're... You know, it was, it was interesting. I was in the shower this morning and I was reflecting on the fact that I think collectively we all have the sense that the systems that we're currently running are unsustainable. You know, like, uh, you know, of course I'm in the U.S., but it's probably similar in, in uh, Canada as well. But, you know, that there's so much division, you know, there's so many people talking at each other, but not talking with each other, not finding out where the common ground is and where the strengths are. And I think all of us just like in our gut, we know it's like, I don't think we can continue doing this. Like this sooner or later is going to break down or we're going to start doing something different. And uh, I think that's the thing that excites me is like, let's start thinking now uh, before that breakdown does occur and saying, what is that different thing that we need to be doing instead? How can we be having productive conversations and connect to each other where there is common ground? and build upon that common ground and the strengths that we all want and the vision that we all want to create for the future and then find out how we can create that together instead of focusing on everything that separates us and divides us and, and causes us to disagree with each other. So Robert, before we move away from this purpose-filled business idea, because I love that idea, what, uh, what did you see were the benefits in terms of whether it's staff members, customers, suppliers, in running a purpose-built business versus a traditional business, if you will, there's gotta be some inherent benefits, I would think. You know, the central thing, and uh, it's funny because I'm, I'm a high-performance coach and we're talking about this, and I don't even know where the quote came from, but the fundamental principle of leadership is that people support what they create. And the benefits that I saw in running that way was that everyone was 100% bought in. We weren't talking about, oh, I have to do this. 
we were the, the type of conversation is we are doing this and here's why it's important because we were we were creating the mission of the company together so there wasn't any need for micromanagement or making sure that people stayed on the same page people were on the same page because they wrote the page together uh, so it you know I mean just in terms of productivity in terms of um, employee turnover. I mean, you know, during that time period where we were building it up, the employee turnover was pretty darn close to zero. So um, it was just simply quite obviously a better way to run a business. There's a better way to run an organization. <laughs> and so, you know, moving, I guess, sort of a way, but it's still attached to that. When we talk about purpose, have you... Robert, I, I, I was speaking yesterday and I, I talked about the importance and value of people actually creating their own personal mission statement, mm -hmm. which you could call a purpose statement. You could you know, call it your why statement. But my question out of that is, do you have, when we're talking about probably having it for a company that's purpose, purposeful, do you have your own purpose statement that, you, that governs, let's say, your actions on your day and that type of thing? Absolutely. You know, it's funny that you asked that because that probably has been the single most important game changer for me in the last year. It was, it was right around the, this time last year in between uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas that I wrote, I was calling it a manifesto for myself, but I wrote a manifesto of why I was doing what I was doing, what I wanted my life to look like, what was important to me, how I wanted to show up in the world, what qualities I would express. Uh, so I wrote all of this down. It was probably I shouldn't say probably it's five pages. Uh, so, and I read that to myself. So I open it up, you know, as part of my daily routine is I open it up every single day and I read it out loud to myself and it reminds me of what's important and what I care about. And it also helps call me out when I'm being incongruent. You know, if I write up, write, write down on it that I get to bed at 10 o'clock and I wake up at six and I work productively for eight hours and I end up you know, waking up at seven, it's like, mm, I don't know, there's a little bit of an incongruity there between what I wrote and what I, what I wanted to do. Um, but I think more importantly, it is, um, it's been a game changer because there were very specific things that I wrote down that I wanted to happen and hadn't yet happened. And one after the other, after the other, those things started to happen because of the way I was showing up in the world. Wow. So maybe I, I guess drilling to that other question that I asked you about the, the purpose built company in terms of why more leaders don't run businesses that way. Do you feel it's sort of the same idea as to why uh, a lot of people don't have, and I ask this question all the time, so I can actually say don't have a, a personal mission statement. I'll ask the question and usually one or two hands that maybe a thousand will go up when I ask who has one. Do you think it's much of the same thing, Robert, in the sense that maybe they've just never considered it or didn't even realize that's something that would benefit them? Well, you know, I think it's actually twofold. One is, you know, one, one of the reasons that my uh, manifesto was so powerful was that it was blood, sweat, and tears that went into it. I mean, it was a deep period of introspection. It was a, a period of going out into the world and iterating and figuring out what worked for me and what didn't work for me and what I cared about, what I didn't care about, and really uh, putting a lot of focused attention into it. And I think that's what's missing for a lot of organizations is even if they have a mission statement, right? 
it's it's a bunch of people getting into a room and coming up with something that sounds good to them in corporate speak and and then paste, pasting it on a wall somewhere which nobody buys into nobody cares about nobody really supports that uh as opposed to and and i've seen this happen uh i'll just use an example <clears throat> of a uh, company that i facilitated with very recently where it's an online holistic wellness portal uh, that's connecting wellness practitioners and, uh, and individual clients. And instead of them having a mission statement that they just, you know, the CEO or the, the leader wrote out, I asked them the question, what is it about the mission of the organization that really inspires you? And why is it important to you personally, each person who was on that call, to do a good job while you're here? And then gathering the voices of the room, they're creating their mission statement for themselves. They're seeing a bigger picture for what their company can do and why it's important for them. And then they're also seeing a vision for each individual, why it's important for them to, to be part of the organization. So I think that's the kind of mission statement that people can really get behind because it's a co-created vision. And so I guess then on the side of a personal mission statement, do you, and this is something I suggested yesterday when somebody said, you know, they're struggling with putting one together and, and they heard me talk about it and they want to try it again and they asked for suggestions. And I said, well, one of the things I get people to do is work together in groups. So let's say I, I delivered a talk and it's a smaller group. I'll do breakout sessions and I'll get maybe six people will work on one person's mission statement. And we did that recently with a cosmetology group and this, uh, this girl was, I think, 18, and in 15 minutes, she came up with a really powerful mission statement. So hers, for instance, she wanted to use an acronym, so she said, I've decided that I'm going to be calm. And, and I said, what does calm mean to you? And she said, it means with every client that walks through the door of our salon, I want to be comforting, approachable, loving, and motivating. And what I said is, after that, is that, you know what, if you truly live that, you'll never look for a client in your salon again. I mean, <clears throat> how many people would get that you know, for let's say a men's haircut for 10 or 12 or $15 and have somebody that's trying to motivate them while they're there and, and actually loving while they're there. And so, so why I bring this up is that what I suggested is when I'm talking to people and they want to put together their own, not for the company, but for themselves, I said, well, why don't you do the same? Why don't you get together a few friends who know you well, you trust them, you're comfortable with them and actually get them to brainstorm with you and say, you know, what do they like about you? What do they find that you do in terms of what's your sort of purpose and all that kind of stuff? And then at least you'll have more input rather than your own. So yeah. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but I think if we could do it with a company, why can't we do the same approach with a person? Well, you know, it's funny. Here's what I love about what you shared. One of the reasons it's really beneficial to, to co-create with other people is that, uh, you know, let's just use the example of the, you know, the 18-year-old the woman that was, was talking to you. In articulating what it was that she cared about, she gave all the other people in that room a bigger picture of what's possible, right? Like, like people may have been thinking before, well, I want to have some of the best designs as possible, and I want to get meticulous in how I work with people, and I want people to think I'm punctual and tidy or whatever, right? And she's expressing an attribute of how she wants to show up in the world. And because she expressed that, everybody else in the room now has a bigger vision for what's possible. It's like, oh, 
maybe I should be thinking about the energy that I'm bringing to work. Maybe I should be thinking about how I interact with my clients. Maybe that's more important than my technical skills in cosmetology. So I, I completely agree that, uh, you know, co-creating, the, the part of the reason it's important is because it just is that really positive spiraling up of shared values, shared visions, uh, and expansion of what's possible for each other as, as people are sharing those ideas. So let's dive further. And, and what are your thoughts on this word passion, Robert? And I ask this because I used to have a clear cut. Most people were behind this word passion. Now I'm finding there's some kickback because people are maybe tired of hearing the word passion. So I'd just love to hear your thoughts on on this idea of passion. And and I'll define it for me, at least it means passion. For me, passion is what you do and purpose is why you do it. So mm -hmm. if we talk about the what, I guess my question is, uh, what are your thoughts on person finding their calling or their passion and do you think it's important or do you think the word is overrated or what are your thoughts on it yeah well you know i think <laughs> it's funny because obviously the language we use creates our world for us and uh it has been overused and then people start rolling their eyes you know like ah uh, you know like oh another guy's talking about passion uh i think the fundamental that that i've seen is that whatever it is that you're doing, you have to see it as part of a bigger arc of your, your own hero's journey. And if you do see it as that, I mean, like you can, you can want to make a difference in the world and have a regular corporate job and think, Oh, I've got no passion for this. So I'm not going to put any energy into it. But what if that job is a stepping stone into the bigger thing that you're, you're hoping to do, then can you have passion for the mission that you want to make the difference that you want to make in the world and then be passionate for that job because it is a stepping stone. So I think that's where it's, it's tended to go wrong a little bit where people have, have said, well, I'm just not going to do anything unless I'm passionate about it. Um, but that said, I think if people don't have a bigger uh, collective shared purpose, that's, that's big and draws people into them, that you're just kind of living this hollow, empty life, you know, like we're living uh, a shell of a life by other people's standards or other people's rules. And the people that I've certainly surrounded myself with, and I've, I've seen to be the happiest, consistently the happiest, they have some bigger vision that's beyond them, some difference that they want to make in the world. And you could call them passionate about them. You could call them uh, congruent you can call them any any term that you wanted to use, but they really deeply internally care about getting that work into the world. And that, that drives them because there's challenges in life constantly. And those challenges keep trying to knock us off course. But if there's that reason to get back up, you know, I've seen the, the most successful are, are those people who have gotten up after the sixth or seventh or eighth knockdown. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. What about uh, success? And so what I'm meaning here is how do you define success? Success for me, uh, probably two things. One is, uh, and I'm, I'm just going to use an example because it was, it was so beautiful. I have a friend staying with me and, uh, and she reflected to me. She said, you know, one of the reasons I love staying with you is that even if I'm having a bad day, when I get around you, I'm happy. 
And I just thought, and that's one of the things that was on my, my manifesto, but I thought, wow, that's the way I'm showing up in the world that when people are around me, they sense some energy and they feel happier because that's part of the difference that I want to make in the world is to upgrade, you know, connect people to a, a sense of mission and to connect them to each other so that they feel connected to a greater whole. So if I'm showing up in the world the way that I intend to, and people reflect that back to me, that's what I would call success. So I'll, I'll maybe dive one step further, and this is, I know, a big question, Robert, but as you can probably tell, I like uh, as much as possible going for the deeper questions. Sure. So this question here is, I, you know, I shouldn't play favorites, but it's perhaps my, my favorite question to ask people, and the truth is, is that I, um, this is probably the one constant question I try to ask in every interview. You can probably tell as well that uh, there's not as many structured questions as other shows, but we have a few questions we try to ask as much as possible. This one has been asked, I think, on almost every show in months. And so, uh, probably actually years. And so the question is, if you could jump into a time machine, and you could go back and visit a younger Robert, and you can pick the date and age because you would know best when, uh, when he needs it the most, but you could give him one piece of life advice based on what you've learned in the years since. What do you think you might tell him? Wow. <laughs> and I have to pick one. Uh, I would probably say about three things, but I'll, I'll, I'll say the one that comes to mind as the first uh, most important one is to just be you. Be okay being you. and trust your intuition about what it is that you really know about and what you care about. And uh, I have spent so much time uh, in the intervening years trying to be somebody else's version of what they, you know, what they, you know, the, the hypothetical in quotes, they say uh, matches success, you know, having, tons of money or having a successful job or having a bunch of people reporting to me or whatever. And what I would say is just get in touch with what it is that you really, really care about and be you that, you know, I'm going to be a combination of all the experiences that I've had in my life, all the things that I've cared about, all the, the upbringing, the teachings, uh, from mentors, from parents, uh, from life and that that's okay and that's beautiful and that when I show up as authentically being me and act congruently with it you know everything works and when I try to put on somebody else's uh, clothes or or image of what I should be uh, things go pretty haywire <laughs> so Robert as we start to wind down and there's never enough time and with your permission I'll call it a to be continued yeah. But uh, before I jump ahead to a future show, uh, let me ask you this. And, and it, this is kind of my way to sort of dive into, as we finish things out, into how you spend your time career-wise and how you help people. You mentioned uh, high-performance coach. And mm -hmm. I don't want to make an assumption, but I'm thinking that might be uh, mean that you uh, are certified through or work with Brendan Burchard because yes. I'm pretty confident that that's his sort of uh, coined name. And mm -hmm. so can you tell us about what a high-performance coach does and why it called out to you and, and I guess, in turn, how you help people? Yeah. Well, actually, I'll answer that, but I'll answer it a little bit differently because it, it's interesting. So I am a high performance coach and it is uh, trained, trained uh, with Brendan Burchard's program. And the thing that I'm really 
diving into right now is more of a facilitation role uh, with a company called the Flourishing Leadership Institute. And it's, um, and this is probably like where you said, this is probably where the to be continued part is because the, the work that the Flourishing Leadership Institute is doing right now, I am certain is a huge movement that's, it's just at that like critical mass stage where it's just completely about to blow up. And uh, we've done work now with BMW, uh, with Facebook, with the city of Cleveland. And so I'm really, what I'm doing is I'm combining the, the beautiful frameworks uh, of the high performance coaching with facilitation. And it's really asking people questions. It's going into to groups and asking people questions about why what they're doing is important. What are the strengths that exist in the existing organization? And what ideal future do we want to get together? And I've seen in just a few short hours, people being able to co-create a shared vision for each other that normally, you know, most other systems would take months or years to develop. And then everybody gets behind it and they get enthusiastic. And, and I mean, there's, there's just been some dramatic, it, it, it's, it's kind of weird. I, I often reflect that it almost feels like it was too easy. Like, wait, how did that work so well? I, I can't believe we got that much progress in that short a period of time. So that's probably more than anything, the thing that I'm really focused on is getting more of that work into the world and then combining the high performance coaching on the back end to help support the leaders of that organization uh, once they start on the, the, the major projects that they're developing through the appreciative inquiry or LEAF is the, the training, the, the methodology, uh, the LEAF methodology. So my last official question before I ask you the unofficial question, which is always, how can we learn more? But the last <laughs> official question, and, and you know, again, big, heavy question. So next time when I bring you back, maybe not as many heavy questions. But uh, when you talked about working with the Flourishing Institute and the stuff they're doing, which you feel uh, is going to be, continue to become and, and probably become a bigger movement, here's the question out of that. What would you like Robert's legacy to be? To me, so the, the, the deep legacy that I would like to see is right now, the work that people are doing, you know, and I'm just going to use the, the word work loosely, you know, whatever it is that people are doing in the world to support themselves. And we keep hearing this figure that 70, 80, 90 depends on the country, depends on the study you want to pay attention to. But the, the point is the vast majority of people are disengaged and they don't feel connected to the, the, the work that they're doing as really mattering to them. I'd like to flip that. So more than anything, I'd like my legacy to be 80% or more of the population of the world cares about what it is that they're doing and is excited by it. They're pulled to it. They're, they're enthused by it. And that they're feeling a sense of connection with all the people that they're surrounded by. So it's really just feeling connected to a mission, feeling connected to a team, feeling part of something bigger. Uh, I think it's really experiencing joy, you know, so turning up the joy factor a little bit in, in the work that people are doing. So I said the unofficial question, I already gave you a hint as to what it would be. Uh, but the unofficial question is, how can we connect with you, learn more if people want to, A, just connect with you deeper, or B, if they want to find out how they could work with you down the road, where would you normally direct them? 
So I have a website, uh, which I'd be glad to share, which is Sustainable Growth Strategies. It's very long. Uh, so it's, it's the word sustainable growth and strategies all strung together. Um, but perhaps a better way because of all the, you know, the, the interesting things that I'm doing. And I really want to communicate with people on what it is that I do that best serves them. So the, the, the simple way to do it is just to shoot me an email at my personal email address, uh, which is robhmurray at gmail.com. So it's Rob, the letter H for Henry Murray, M-U-R-R-A-Y at gmail.com. Well, Rob, this has been an absolute pleasure. And uh, like I said, I hope you'll take advantage of joining us again in the future and seeing how uh, we can make some magic happen together for listeners in the future as well. Uh, but thank you so much for gracing us with your time and insight today. And it's been an absolute pleasure. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me on there. Always enjoy talking to you uh, and, and, and hope to continue the conversation. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.